our government has created an atmosphere of an actual real life scenario of rolling the dice every time we eat products anyways. Like they literally okay with salmonella being in chicken and eggs. Perfectly fine. The expectation is that, quote, housewives should know what to do with their chicken. Everybody's got to eat, and nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, hello, Francine. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm still getting over this cold. Sinus infection. Craziness. Hopefully I'll kill this. With Pepsi. (laughs) With Pepsi. Pepsi Zero. Okay. Ah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure aspartame is killing my cold sickness. Science, Francine. Science. Yeah. I'm probably not, actually. We actually are a scientific show. We're on the top 100, actually, in science. So we probably should actually... (laughs) We're the top 100 podcasts in natural sciences. So I probably shouldn't say erroneous stuff like aspartame (laughs) will kill a science infection. Probably not. (laughs) Guys... If you have a science infection, antibiotics kills the science infection, <laughs> not aspartame. Wow, we're known for our sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, we actually have to like be accurate now. I don't know. We got there. <laughs> the way we were. <laughs> no, but at some point in time, we- I don't know. Do you think we'll end up being like fat checked? I, you know what? I want to. That will be the day when we're like on somebody on Twitter. Fat fact checks our show. There you go. So I try to be careful, you know, very careful because there's a whole lot, there's never an absolute in anything. So it's like the always, the nevers, the, you know, so I always try to be really careful because you know, there's somebody out there that's saying, well, that's not right. Anyway. Oh, 100%. In fact, I probably shouldn't say 100% anymore. I should probably say like (laughs) (laughs) 98.2%. We had to change our vernacular. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. Crazy. Crazy hey, a year ago, I was, oh, like, no. solidly in the top 100. So, it was a goal. I mean, it was like, wouldn't it be cool if, well, can you imagine? And then, you know, it was like, well, first we need to just have some people listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> and then people in states, other states. And it was like, oh my God, people across the United States. And then it was like, oh my God, people in other countries and a lot of other countries. And then it was like, we started charting and it was like, okay, so our goal is going to be like in the top 100 somewhere. Well, you know, to chart in the United States. Right. We're like, yay, we made Jamaica top 100. (laughs) Yay. And then we'd be, you know, in the top like 20 or whatever in some other countries. And that was really, really cool because we really appreciate that like, all these other countries are listening to us. And that was like fantastic. And it was when we hit the top like 100 in the United States in a category, like, oh my God, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. And we compare ourselves to Food Safety Matters because there's not a lot for us to actually compare ourselves to. And Food Safety Matters is a completely different podcast than us, but there isn't really anybody in our category that is like (laughs) us. 
No. So the closest would be Food Safety Matters. And they're like backed by Food Safety Magazine, which is an amazing magazine. We get resources from there all the time. And we beat them. Like we're higher than them. Right. Our and, category. And a fantastic, you know, reputable podcast that, you know, yes. is like, not that we aren't, <laughs> but just, you know, they've been on, they've got like, I think 200 some episodes and we're just very proud that we've proud, humbled, amazed. Yeah. So, shocked. <laughs> shocked. Crazy. Yeah. We had to change producers. We outgrew our producer and that was a sad transition, but it had to happen. And that's also helped as well with our Professionalism. We have to think about professionalism now, Francine. While I agree to a a point, people like us. I'm just curious on where your head is going when I said we have to actually. People like us as we are. So if we change anything, we're going going downward. So I think it depends on what we're doing. (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? And where we're being watched. Yes. Yes. Heard. Yeah. And watched because, like we said in the last podcast, although we have not made any final decisions, it is looking like we will probably end up creating a YouTube channel. Probably. But that takes more work. So we have to add that and that'll be fun. Okay. Talking about professionalism, Francine and I are talking about what my family did just recently that shocked me. So there's an outbreak. That's been going on. It's an odd one. We were talking last episode about a lot of real odd outbreaks that have happened this last year and just really big, odd outbreaks too. Things you wouldn't think about. For instance, the one with the lead in cinnamon and another huge cantaloupe outbreak. Francine was like, yeah, and I can't believe we're still having spinach outbreaks every single year. But this one, I reposted this on LinkedIn where... Bill Marler has his own blog, Bill Marler blog. That's not part of Food Safety News. And there's this Quaker oat salmonella outbreak going on right now within a few lots, and which a few lots in Quakers pretty big. There's like a lot of product out there. It's not like a skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he writes on there, how did this happen? And I wrote like, good question and reposted it. And a lot of people reviewed it and were like answering how, of course, because you have a lot of people that are very scientific that follow us on LinkedIn, we're explaining how it might happen to have salmonella in Quaker Oats. But yeah, it's crazy. So this is, would you ever think to see this, Francine? Never, never. When I, so I read the headline on Bill's blog and I was like, I thought I misread it. So I went back to reread it and it was like, Oh my God. Cause like you, I reposted it and I just, it's just unbelievable. No, I never thought I would see anything like that. And especially from, there are some products that I have brand loyalty to like, there's are things that I will go like store brand and generic, but there are some products that I am very loyal to the brand Quaker Oats. Yep, us too. Jeff, Jeff, I'm choosy mom, choose Jeff. We do. We're a Skippy family, but whatever. I I was devastated. So there's a couple of things that I've been totally devastated by this year. It's like, oh my god, they're letting me down all year long. It's been happening. What the heck is happening to my world? It's falling apart. 
and now Quaker Oats. <laughs> so anyway, no, I never, ever would have thought that I would see that. Never. Yeah. And we're the same way. So we have, I've described this before in the past, another podcast that my pantry is basically like a convenience store. We have everything you could possibly imagine in our pantry in terms of cereals, in terms of all different types of snacks, jerky, everything, because we have so many teenagers and my boys are pretty active. They're in wrestling and workout and all that stuff. Yeah. And I have eight boys in my house. Yeah. The amount of food that we get consumed in our house is crazy. But we're just like you. We have all those Quaker Oat bars. We buy them at Costco and Sam's Club by the case, right? Like cases of these things. And uh, my wife, her favorite cereal is the Quaker Oat granola. And yeah, we had all this product in our in our shelves. Never would have thought that there would be salmonella. It's like the Pirate's Booty. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I don't know, maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe longer than that. Pirate's Booty had salmonella too. It's like this cheese puff, like chip type of snack thing. It's dried out corn puff. Wouldn't think you'd find salmonella. But what was really cool was I was like, oh my gosh, I saw an example of food safety happening in my house while I wasn't there. So my wife gets an email from Costco saying that we bought Quaker Oat product that may be contaminated with salmonella. Okay. And this is why those loyalty clubs are actually worth it, specifically for food safety and recalls. So Costco knows we bought this product, right? And so they send an email to my wife saying that here's the products that you bought. Please send them back and we'll give you a refund or throw it away. So my wife was, I was out of state. Francine and I were like talking to each other while I was gone. I received this text in the airport from my wife to my family in the family text. And she was at work and she works at a hospital. So she couldn't pull the things off the shelf. But she's to my mother-in-law, hey, can you please, here's the products. Can you please make sure all those products end up out of the pantry and either throw them away or just put them off to the side. I come home that night. And I see a letter on all these products. So the we have these plastic containers that, that hold the granola, like cereal containers that we put the cereal into to keep it fresh. And so my mother-in-law pulls that whole plastic container out. And then she has all of these bars, which it's like a pile of bars, guys. I don't know, two feet high, like as high as a cereal container, all up into the corner and on it, she wrote a note that said, Quaker Oat products contaminated with salmonella, don't touch. And so, no, my kids won't touch it. Because I don't know, she thought we would go through and double check the barcodes and make sure that it was the right product or not. So I come home and the first thing I do is I see that product off to the side and I take a picture because I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be great content. <laughs> and so then my wife, she works night shifts. And so the next morning, she and I are looking at that and just talking about how amazing it was that my mother-in-law did that, put it off to the side. And then, and then we had a conversation. We're going to take it back to Costco or whatever. And she's like, I don't have the original box. And I was like, well, I'll still take it. And she's like, I don't, it's not worth it for me to go. Like our time is actually more valuable than the five or six bucks we would get back from this. So she threw it all away. So I took a picture of us throwing it away because I thought in the process side of my head was let's document <laughs> each part of the step as a corrective action process. I don't know. My brain's crazy. But I was really proud of my family for 
for doing that. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is awesome. They've actually learned something from me. So I am just, I am totally impressed. Like that little mini convenience store that you have in your pantry operated just like a little mini convenience (laughs) store should. (laughs) You know, they get the letter and they go in and they put all the stock in the corner and they write, do not use. Somebody comes in and verifies the stock. <laughs> Throw it all away. You take the pictures. <laughs> I'm like, go Tracy. I mean, she calls the store, tells them what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mother-in-law acted like the stock shelf employee, pulled everything aside. <laughs> I'm like, what a team. Good for you guys. And good that they knew what to do and good that they reacted. I'm totally impressed. Yeah. In fact, I, now I'm thinking about this. We'll, I'm going to send these pictures to our producer, and that could be probably on the image of this episode somehow. As long as no children are there, because we have to put the marks there. <laughs> yeah, no foster babies. Pictures are taken. Yeah. In this. No. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, did they have to get out? Do you have an ops manual? Did they have to pull down the ops manual? <laughs> For procedures? <laughs> no. <laughs> there was no SOPs. So there was no previous standard operating procedures. It was all common sense. And this is what I tell people about like food safety too. You need to have like standard operating procedures because obviously companies act differently than families do. And so you need to understand what needs to be done. But most of it's common sense. So we would think that. You and I would think that, but is that because we know what to do? Or because now that we're talking about this, I think all the time that, you know, I post these recalls on my Facebook page and they go on Instagram and, you know, we put them on LinkedIn, but a lot of our contacts and a lot of our friends are food safety people. They're like food safety geeks like we are, but does the average person reading this information, do they know what to do? Do they know, or are they thinking, I'm going to eat it anyway? I don't know the answer to that question because I don't go through the steps of, you know, well, this is what you should do. And maybe I, maybe I should, I don't, this is how you handle a recall in your home. Maybe I should do that. And I don't. And this is what this conversation, you know, your family knew what to do. Does the average family know what to do? We're assuming they do. It goes back to... There's two two separate things, right? It goes back to that conversation we had with Roger Hancock where he listed off like the appropriate steps of a recall. And everybody does them differently, but they're basically the same steps, right? This is the product. This is how it was contaminated. And then here are the steps that need to be done. So pull it off the shelf, throw it away, bring it back, et cetera, et cetera. So they do list the what needs to be done. If the recall is done appropriately, the the person recalling the product or the company recalling the product like Costco did with us told us what to do, throw the product away or bring it back for a refund. So it does say what to do, but I get what you're, the real question you're, you're asking is what percentage of the population actually follow through with that? Or are they just whatever, I'll roll the dice and just consume the product anyways. Well, no, I'm even saying like when I post that, some people don't even open it up and read the link. They read the headline. You know what I mean? They don't really open it up and read the link. So Melissa is in a group that saw that recall. And just prior to that, I guess some of the local grocery stores had had this big sale on the granola bars. So then they they knew that the 
recall was coming. Right. So they tried to hurry up and get rid of all the granola bars before the recall. <laughs> they did not do that. They did not have a <laughs> to get rid of the granola bars. No, Melissa didn't think that. She knows better. But a lot of the people in this group thought that they just tried to hurry up and get rid of the get the granola bars off their shelves before the recall. That did not happen. <laughs> no, definitely not because it would cost them more. I don't know. I don't know. I think it would depend upon the convenience of it. Do I have to have this product? Do I need this product? Do I want this product? And okay, I'll just roll the dice, right? Versus people who are like, no, I don't want to get sick. I'm not going to roll the dice. I don't know. But you know what? It's Our government has created an atmosphere of an actual real life scenario of rolling the dice every time we eat products anyways. Like they literally okay with salmonella being in chicken and eggs. Perfectly fine. Right. The expectation is that, quote, housewives should know what to do with their chicken. Salmonella is not an adulterant. It's the expectation for people within our country is that our food is contaminated already, which is fascinating to me. So that just made me think, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel that goes out on the street. Yeah. And ask the questions. So I wonder, and, you know, parents should know what to do with the poultry. They should know what to do. It can have salmonella. It's okay. They should know what to do. If we surveyed random people and said, how do you get rid of salmonella and poultry? I wonder what the results would be. Average consumers. That is a very good question. We're going to go out in the street with a microphone, Matt. (laughs) And ask people how to get rid of the salmonella and the poultry. We'll stand in front of Walmart. You know, another thing too is, another good question would be, is it okay to eat raw cookie dough? Yes or no? And then if they say no, then you ask why? What is the contaminant, but the potential contaminant in raw cookie dough? And it'll be interesting to see if people understand that it's the eggs. Could also be the flour. Now, yes, it could, yeah. As of 2016, I think it was, flour became an issue. Right. 13 or 16, I can't remember exactly, but one of those two. I think it was 16. Someone will correct me, I'm sure. It was one of those two years. I didn't really think about this until we started doing this podcast, but that's a real sad state of affairs. I hadn't really processed that us Americans have gotten used to the fact that Certain products are just rolling the dice. We have to cook certain products or understand that we are taking a chance with getting salmonella or, you know, name the pathogen. But the products that we're talking about are salmonella. I hadn't fully processed that. Thank you, 2023, for being this crazy. Wow. If we haven't fully processed that, that means that a lot of people have not fully processed that. How crazy and sad. It's Well, it's ridiculous. That was a really enlightening. (laughs) Now that we've depressed ourselves. (laughs) It just goes to show how much work needs to be done. Well, and we were talking in the last podcast that we did, what do we think is going to happen in 2024? Do we think that the manufacturers and processors will make changes? Do we think it'll be regulatory? Do we think... Where do we think the changes will come from? I truly don't think 
anything will happen until consumers demand a change. Yeah. And that's where it's going to have to come from. So when they get sick of getting sick <laughs> from their flour and their eggs and their chicken and their cantaloupe and their leafy greens and demand a change, because until then, I assume it's the lobbyists and everybody else that will keep, or we get, you know, people in the government that care about food safety because there hasn't been anybody officially, I don't think, in that position for a long, long time. Right. We'll continue with the status quo. I agree with you. It's going to have to be when the consumers decide that they no longer want to play Russian roulette with pathogens or heavy metals or name the, the issue within their foods. Until then, it's going to be same old, same old. We're going to be managing it in a, a, as a supplier and retail food service issue as something that they just do. It's not really that regulated. Right. So it was 2016, because up until then, it was like, if you don't put the eggs in, you're good with the cookie dough. You know, you can eat the cookie dough. If you don't put the eggs in it, go ahead and eat the raw cookie dough. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Now it's the Just flour. kidding. Just kidding. Flour. The flour can kill you too. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the eggs. The flour can kill you too. Don't eat that stuff. <laughs> it's a risk. You can eat it. Just don't eat it raw. Don't eat the raw bread dough either because, you know, if you like the raw bread dough, that can kill you too. Or, or formula. They're like, oh, yeah. And by the way, formula could kill you too. But there's no real kill step for killing the formula. Just good luck. Oh, yeah, for you. Or pathogens in the flour formula. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. There's no real kill step for the, yeah, there's no real kill step for the pathogens in the formula. And yeah, good luck with our most vulnerable population, children, right, babies, infants, nonetheless. Yeah. Right. Some of whom can't be breastfed. You know, some people are saying, well, you know, if the mothers would breastfeed them, some of them can't be breastfed. They have no choice. Yeah. And some of them shouldn't. (laughs) We're working in foster care. There's a large population of parents on things that should not be feeding their children anything from their body. But infants should not get fentanyl and methamphetamines. That's not good no. for their brain development. So if you're no, on those things, it? use formula. Salmonella, <laughs> Bibobacter is actually better. <laughs> wasn't good during the pregnancy either. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should explain that that is why some of your foster children are your foster children. Oh, yes. I have had many children that were, or babies that were exposed to drugs. Not from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Not from my wife. No. She started using drugs after we had all of her children. <laughs> How much editing is Rosa going to have to do? She's our new producer. <laughs> Let's introduce you to Rosa. <laughs> going to have to do be like what happened to them so my wife works in a NICU too so she gets to tell us stories of a lot of the babies that come in and it's interesting the percentage of the population that comes in coming off of something and sometimes they'll be like yeah we had a baby that was born addicted to meth or born addicted to fentanyl and sometimes she comes home and she's yeah they're addicted to the pharmacy (laughs) the baby has been exposed to so many drugs that they can't even distinguish the what to give the poor baby. So. so before we start to wrap this up, one night Matt and I were having a conversation and I'm talking to Matt and I'm not sure what we were talking about, but you're like, that's like, 
I have to go. My wife just called me. We have to go pick up a baby. We're getting a baby. <laughs> I got to go get a baby. <laughs> like they're shopping for groceries. <laughs> we got to go get a baby. <laughs> and it's like that. We'll go, we'll usually have a, a baby for a year and a half. Usually how long the process takes. And they go up for adoption. My wife and I, we were joking that we're probably going to be auntie and uncle to like 30 kids in Colorado Springs over the course of the next few years, for next couple decades, probably. But it'll be like, we don't have any baby for a couple months or whatever. And then it's like midnight, boom, we get a call that some babies at the hospital and they need to be picked yeah, up. It's, and It's an amazing thing that you guys do. So you're I tell my wife ever- though, because she works at the NICU, I'm like, that's not a store. Like you can't be shopping for babies at your work. It's not. All you're going to ever hear me say is I need to go get milk. (laughs) I commend you. It's a good thing that you're doing. That baby that you have now, it's like I joke all the time about, I really want to kidnap her. Oh, she's so adorable. (laughs) She's so adorable. She's so adorable. And the system's crazy. Like we try to help find homes for the babies before they go. There's something called respite in foster care, which is like babysitting for foster care. You have to be a foster parent in order to do like overnight with children, which is great. Keeps the baby safe. But we like help the families get accustomed to the baby by doing respite. And uh, so there's this family. We lined up for this baby and everything was going forward. They were going to adoption. We put over to respite. And then they were like, wait, no, the state, not the family was like, wait, no, just kidding. We want you to have them back again because we have this other process that we have to go through. So I think maybe the reason why we're so good with food safety processes is because the adoption foster care world, their processes are crazier than food safety quality systems. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it came home. We're like, okay, fine, great. So she's probably going to go to that same family again in a couple of weeks, but it's just crazy. It's, the system is insane. It really truly is insane. Yeah. Well, we surround ourselves. I surround my, I'm realizing that in this episode too. We surround ourselves with crazy systems that are never going to get changed because the adoption foster care system is not going to be changed anytime soon. Similar to our food safety system. Yeah, whatever. I'm knee deep in it 24 seven. It doesn't matter. I can manage and handle it. I want to talk about our friend, Farfly777. Oh, no. Like he doesn't get enough media coverage. He was actually on a television show. He's been interviewed on the like morning show. He has taken his cooking show. Should we call it that? His cooking Cooking show. show. This is the, by the way, this is the context. This is the guy who cooks in hotel rooms. Yeah. So he has taken that to the airline and he is now cooking part of the Mount High Club. <laughs> oh, you showed this to me. Yeah. He is now making it's called Mile High Bathroom Garlic and Shrimp Mash. That's what he did. And so he's cooking his garlic shrimp in the bathroom on an airplane. On an airplane. Can you imagine the smell of that? In the airplane? Well, the, the bathroom okay, in the airplane doesn't smell good to begin okay, with. Wait a minute. I'm talking about the other passengers, first of all. It's like, so it shows him going grocery shopping to get his supplies and going to the airport. 
he takes this into the bathroom. And of course he has his little battery operated. So is he actually cooking in he, the yeah, he bathroom? He sticks a little, it's a, he has a battery that he hooks his heater up and puts it in a bathroom sink to cook. And how long is this process that he's doing this in the airplane bathroom? You can't tell because it's a, it's a short, it's only a minute long video. So you can't really tell, but he cooks the shrimp in the sink. Then he makes his batter in the sink. Tell me he's not eating it in the bathroom. Oh. Is he pulling it out, take out, and then he, going yeah, to his seat? Yeah, he pulls it out and, and he eats it in, in, in his seat the, or? No, 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 in the bathroom. In the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is wrong on so many levels. First off, how rude are you that you are holding up the bathroom for like 10 minutes? Did he light a candle, pull pull out a nice cloth napkin, pull out his silverware? No, he ate it with his hands. I mean, do you really think he used his silverware? Oh, no. Um, He used his hands in the bathroom. Oh, guys, I fly so much. Those bathrooms are absolutely the worst. So, first of all, all the studies you read talk about the amount of fecal content that's in the coffee because the coffee station's right by the bathroom. Oh, I have not seen these studies either. Wait, I'm so, putting that together in my head and it makes absolute it's like sense. I but- never drink coffee on the airplane. Never. Oh my God, so I drink coffee all, all the time on the airplane. Talk about like all the, the amount of fecal matter and grossness that is in that bathroom. Oh, it's all. Oh, yes. So, it's so bad. That little temperature. Have you ever seen those things that look like clothespins that have the coils on the end? That they <laughs> yes, yes, that's yes. what he heated the water with. <laughs> he heated the water to cook the shrimp. <laughs> did he? Uh, he did it? Was it like last episode where he just did it right in the sink, like the macaroni? Because that little sink can't possibly have enough pressure to get to the right temperature to like really clean your hands well either. Well, so there's like, nastiness that. in you, that sink. That. Do you think he cleaned that first? Do you think anything got in there hot enough to clean the bacteria out of oh, there? Oh, 100% no. The guy who makes shrimp batter and cooks in the airplane bathroom, I'm positive, is not sanitizing. Now, I would like to say that a lot of this, you know, he's doing it for entertainment and followers and whatnot, but he's eating it. It's two six-volt batteries wired in series to an immersion beverage heater. Oh, because he has to get this through security onto the actual airplane. It says, so many things this guy had to think through in one, order to get this one, done. One is able <laughs> to get the water scalding hot quickly. Raw shrimp will only need a few minutes. Oh, my gosh. Adding instant mash to the shrimp water and some extra flavor. Garlic butter makes everything oh, go I'm better. sure there was some extra flavor, but it probably came from the contents that was once on somebody's hands that are now in the sink. Or in the toilet. <laughs> oh, my land. This is where we need a YouTube channel because we could actually play this and then give our reactions to it. I don't even know why you follow up. The look on your face, if everybody can just see the look on Francine's face, is always just pure disgust. But you just keep bringing these tidbits of little, uh, what do you want to call it? Because I'm just like, 
astounded. <laughs> like that, where the hell does he come up with these ideas? Like, where does he come up with these ideas? It's or, literally bathroom humor. And did the people flying this plane not know something was going on in that bathroom? I'm sure the pilots didn't know what was going on, but what's going on with the flight attendants? I'm talking about the people. I, okay, I, I shouldn't have said flying. The people managing the back portion of this plane from behind, you know, where the pilots are secured. You know what would have made great at the ending of this is if he came out with a serving plate with a bunch of toothpicks and then he was just walking around. So I was going to lie and tell you that he came out to serve the... <laughs> yeah, like at a conference or whatever, dinner, there's like toothpicks sticking out of I these I was going to lie and tell you that, oh my God, he's coming out to serve the, the people on the plane. <laughs> Everybody on the plane ends up getting the runs because of whatever they ate from that nastiness. What are the odds of, I mean, we don't know how big the plane was, but, you know, 170 people on that airplane, somebody not being sick. Oh, totally. Francine, I think we should end this. And this one literally is don't eat poop because that's basically what this guy was doing. 100%. There was some sort of fecal contamination on that shrimp. Those bathrooms are like two by two. Like, you've got to watch this. If you haven't seen it, you've got to watch this. Okay, shoot it over to me. Send it to my wife and I. Send it to Tracy and me. Because if I have to watch this, then I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) force, you're going to have to force it on her as well. And then the kids will have to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, Maybe you should just pop it up on the TV and make it a family event. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, there you go. Now I know what my afternoon's going to be like. Thanks, Francine. Anytime. Anytime. All right. On that note, don't eat poop. Yeah.